that's the one thing where I get irritated with people. They're like, oh, I want to do what you do or some semblance of it. I'm like, all right, you can either you have the skills or you can always hire out the skill. Oh, but I don't want to spend any money unless I know for certain that I'm going to get that money back. I'm like, okay, well then go get a job. They go get a nine to five job and with salary, but those don't exist anymore. So fuck off. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Seven years ago, Emma Johnson started the blog WealthySingleMommy.com. And it's now the number one blog for single mothers around the world and the largest single mom community in the world. Emma's blog is now a six-figure business with 200,000 monthly page views and an entire team supporting it. But I wanted to know how she got here and what her advice would be to somebody who was starting a blog today and wanted to have the same kind of success. Hi, Emma. Thanks very much for making the time to speak with us on the Ideas Lab podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I was very impressed when I met you and we talked a little in New York about how WealthySingleMommy.com is doing. And it's this, it's like a powerhouse blog. And I know so many people who follow me who are interested in how do you make a living out of a blog. And I know the truth is it's a lot harder than people might imagine it is. And the gurus who make money out of those kind of courses say it is. So I'd love to know a little bit about your story. Um, but how did you get started right at the beginning? What what sent you down this track? Because you were doing something else beforehand, weren't you? Yeah, well, I've always been a, a writer. I've always made my career with writing in some capacity. I started in community newspapers as a journalist. I still consider myself really a journalist. It's just kind of taken on different forms uh, more recently. But I was a full-time freelance writer uh, focusing on like personal finance, small business topics. And... Uh, just went through like a big life change. We can get into it, but I went through a divorce, found myself as a single mom. And it was a very, I mean, that's a huge deal for anybody. Uh, for me, it was just monumental. And I was raised by a single mom. And I think that universal, that specific experience really shaped me as a person and also a lot of my professional interests. Like the fact that I focus on single, uh, personal finance and money is so interesting to me. Uh, the sociology and the culture of money has always been so interesting to me because I grew up poor, though I was raised by an educated white woman. So in an affluent community, meaning the United States, I grew up in a uh, middle class, small town in the Midwest in the United States. But so all these things were just always so intellectually very curious to me. And then I found myself in a situation where I was broke. I was going through a divorce. I was financially dependent on a man, even though I consider myself a feminist. So all these things were just so interesting to me. And I had all this just, it was just such an emotional thing. It was a very huge emotional experience for me. And so I, after my couple of years after my divorce, I had a boyfriend that was very, very intense, which is a whole other topic. If you go through a divorce, it, it turns out that's a universal experience that your first breakup after divorce is extremely painful. And so I had all this free time. My kids were with their dad on the weekends. I didn't have a boyfriend anymore. And so what do you do? Are you starting a blog? So it was a very personal blog. It was just, I had no thoughts of making money from it. I didn't know how to make money from it. I just didn't even think that's something you could do, but I was a writer. I should have a blog and I had a blog and it immediately took off. So when was this though? When did you, when did you start? 
So yeah, seven years ago, and I just threw it up. In fact, just the other day, my daughter asked me why I named it Wealthy Single Mommy. And I'm like, here's the story. I was couldn't sleep because I was so sad. And I just thought I wanted a blog and I want it to be about money and just, you know, challenging the assumption about single motherhood and poverty and single moms. And I had to get those words in there. And the only one that I could find for less than $5 that was available was wealthy single mommy. And I just bought it. Didn't think about it really at all. I never really loved it. The word mommy kind of to this day irritates me. Um, but it's taken on a life of its own and I just got over it because it can't be changed. <laughs> so, that's, that's funny because I assumed you were an SEO genius and that's why you chose the Well, now I am. <laughs> I am an SEO genius now. At the time I was an SEO dunce, like I knew nothing at all. Um, but you know, look, I would say like Amazon, that makes no, that's not an SEO savvy word. Bluetooth, like there's a bazillion examples of things that just become what they become. Um, and so yeah. Though I would say if you're starting off from scratch, don't do, don't be cute, you know, be smart and buy your URL. Don't put your personal name in it. Don't put your initials. Don't make up a weird word that no one's going to remember, you know, do some, do, do be smart about it. But, um, that wasn't my, that wasn't my journey. So, so yeah, so it was really just a very personal, it was I was very interested in very feminist issues. You know, here we were women with all these opportunities, um, but we're the pay gap persisted. And what do you do if you're a woman that makes money and you're dating and you're a money woman who has kids and you're dating? Do you date like who's like how does this all work out? And so I'm just like writing, and it was so interesting. I was dating, and I was writing about my sex life and relationships and work and politics and feminists, and it just took off. Like right away, I think the New York Times gave me a mention, so that was cool. Plus, it was great for SEO and traffic, which I was very self-taught learning about at the time. And the money just started coming in and it was two years. Like people started approaching me about sponsorships and advertising and partnerships. And I was investing like I did. I hired a kind of a talent agency that was kind of working with me on my delivery and got me a radio show. And that was expensive. And I did spend money. I just do a thing upon my own, like on WordPress, did self-design, but then I invested in a designer, but not tons of money. I mean, like, you know, the first couple of years, it was probably less than $10,000 first year, less than $20,000 second year. And it just, it felt good. It was fun. There was an audience. I, it just, it was always, yes. You know, I put something out there, it would get traffic, it would get engagement, get media attention. The media would invite me for interviews. And so it was always like, there's something special there, even though the money absolutely was not following. And I still full on making a very nice living as a freelance writer, but meanwhile, simultaneously, the internet was happening and uh, the market rate for freelance writing, as I knew it anyways, was gone. And that, so I'm like, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to chase money that doesn't exist anymore. Plus I, I'd done that. You're like, I'd already had my success there. I, you know, that was done. Um, and this thing was growing and it was very exciting for me. It was uh, exciting that I could do whatever I wanted, right? I could write whatever the hell I wanted and people were listening. I didn't have an editor. Like for some of my personality type, it's like a dream come true for me. And, and money just started organically coming in. And I was like, I made a decision like five years ago on, you know, like January one, and you look at your year end numbers and you like set the goals like everybody else. And I'm like, I am not going to be a freelance writer anymore. I, I did have maybe a couple clients that kind of made sense to support my uh, blogging career now, my blogging business. But other than that, I'm like, I changed my tagline on LinkedIn. I changed what I told myself when I met them 
for the first time, I just made like an internal and an external division. I now own a digital marketing business. And that's what I did because by now I had a podcast. I started dabbling in courses, selling courses, which I know you have, that's part of your business, um, and figuring out advertising and SEO and all of these things. And it was like, I had to make this executive decision, like who I was and what I was going to be and not like be wishy-washy about it. So, um, and that was it. And it's like been gangbusters ever since then. But now it's like strategy, right? So now I don't spend so much of my hours screaming about the patriarchy. I spent a lot of hours like geeking out about SEO, which is fun because I like making money. Making money is tons of fun, but it's not so intellectually or politically exciting as it was, which that's on me, right? I have the time. It's like, it's on me now to like figure out how to fulfill that part of myself. I mean, it's an amazing journey, but you make it sound too easy. So I want to rewind a bit because I, you just went, well, I put it on blog posts. Everybody loved them. New York times wrote about me. I mean, you know, I went ka-ching. So, <laughs> so uh, my course, <laughs> yeah, now, now first, first of all, you, you, you know, you're a journalist and you're a writer and, and I don't think, because sometimes I have clients who say, I want to write a book like this person. And I go like, okay, but to write a book in that style, you actually need to be a really good writer. So it comes up with books a lot, but, you know, it comes up with blogs. I'm going to challenge you on that. I, uh, like, I went to journalism school. I had, you know, a great incubator when I was very young, working for daily newspapers, writing like three, literally three stories a day. That was brilliant. And I love it. And it, it really worries me as somebody that believes in democracy, that that model is going away because newspapers don't exist. The endless news feed is not good for good writing, right? You need a word count to be a good. So all those things, yes, that I, I definitely am coming from, let's say a place of privilege in that regard. That said, you don't need special training to be great writers. No, I, I don't mean, think that. No, I don't. Bible, yeah. did not go to journalism school. No, I agree. I agree that. So I'm not saying you need to be a formally trained writer, but you need writing chops, which is you just need to do it a lot. You need to get good and and I think it sounds like you got to that point. And well, so I would say though that be hopeful, or you need a good writer, a good editor, or you need a ghostwriting partner, which are all accessible. Those are all accessible to everybody. It's going to cost you money, and the, and that's the one thing where I get irritated with people. They're like, "Oh, I want to do what you do," or some semblance of it. I'm like, "All right, you can either you have the skills, or you can always hire out the skill." Oh, but I don't want to spend any money unless I know for certain that I'm going to get that money back. I'm like, "Okay, well then go get a job." Yeah. They go get a nine to five job and with salary, but those don't exist anymore. So fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you can't have, you can't have, it's one or the other, isn't it? And, uh, and I think it's a really good point. We do have this, I know I find myself having this instinct going like, Oh, I should do it myself. I can do that. When actually somebody else could do much better. And it's, uh, and, it, and, and what you're describing is thinking like an entrepreneur where you go, actually, this, what you do is you, there's a switch. I think that happens which is from, well, let's see if this works to I'm going to goddamn well make this work. And, it, and I suspect that you went out, you've got a bit of that energy about you and you made it work. But um, so when you were writing these early blog posts that, that caught fire, were these kind of ranty things about the patriarchy? What was it that, that really caught people? Were, were, were they humorous or serious? or? Um, it was some of both. Well, and I will say when I started, I really started this thing on Facebook right? That's where the traffic came from. I didn't have a huge following. I just had like a small personal account or whatever. And the algorithm was, uh, in my favor at the time, it was in all of our favor. There was this thing as a viral blog post, right? 
there really isn't anymore. Like Facebook would just let things go organic, right? So I would write provocative things. So I'm trying to think. So a lot of the message was, I mean, the underlying message that I have is that women really do have all the power. We've just given it away. So uh, one of the big themes, for example, in my message and my activism is like, why are we, uh, why do we have this thing set up where women like fight are, it's institutionalized that women are financially dependent on men. And then my, you know, my message is to single moms. I always speak specifically to the single moms, plenty of guys listen in plenty of married moms, single women, but I, my voice is always to my peers, the single mom. And I'm like, you know, go make your own money. There's such a high price to pay to be chasing after child support or alimony. You, it, there's no such thing as free money, right? It creates acrimony with your kid's dad. You are holding yourself, you're incentivized to hold yourself back financially uh, to get more money from this guy that you're not involved with anymore and that you're trying to separate from. So that is, extre- it sounds so common sense to me and maybe you, John, I don't know, but it's so provocative. It is challenging things every single separating, divorcing woman and all women are told, which is, you know, that motherhood is a full-time job and your highest calling as a mother. And there's, he should pay you because it's equal work. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, that like, maybe that was applicable 40 years ago when women didn't even, couldn't even have a credit card in her own name, much less own property. But here we are in 2015, now 2019. And I mean, we are 50% of college graduates. We are 50% of most professional degree programs. We make the same when we get out of college. The only thing that's holding us back is that we drop out. We choose women. You are making choices. We choose to drop out to stay home with kids that don't need that much childcare. So anyways, I've got this whole thing and it's just it, it's, it really resonates with a lot of people and it really pisses off a lot of people. <laughs> and that's the golden ticket. It, yes. it, it evokes a really strong emotion in everybody. So that, that stuff just went crazy. So, um, so it's really, it's challenging for me to mentor new, uh, bloggers because now it is really about very technical work, very, very technical work about chasing, uh, keywords, right? So if I were to tell somebody that maybe has similar instincts of mine, you've got something really powerful to say, you got to get it out there. There is still opportunity on places like Twitter, on Instagram, um, though, PS, Instagram's down on my Facebook, like that free traffic is not going to be there. And, you know, and that's a different medium. It's a very visual medium, um, which, you know, that's not my jam, That's but that's many, many people's jams. So, you know, if it's, if it's a measure about politics, it's maybe it's more of a social media player, YouTube, right? Um, I'm, and that's just, we're all just social media stars, right? My jam happens to be writing 1500 blog posts. That's my sweet spot. Um, so now it's like, I can do my provocative thing, but I'm retrofitting it to keywords, which is so boring. And it makes a horrible podcast episode. Um, but it allows me to do what I love to do, which is scream about stuff that I like to scream about and make money. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds good. <laughs> So, in other words, if you if someone was starting today, they well, if you were starting today, you you'd have to operate differently. So it's worth, and it, it might not be blogging centric, or it might be blogging on Instagram because people are writing blog like posts on Instagram, aren't they, or or something? I don't know. 
Yeah, well, I am starting a new venture. It's a um, it's another media platform. It's very narrowly focused on my activism, which is around sh- equally shared parenting after separation. Um, and I had written a ton about that on my blog, but it never quite fit because my blog is my business, but it's also my activist platform. Anyway, so I've separated them. It's called MomsForSharedParenting.org is the blog. And I'm building it slowly, but from scratch. So in a way, it's very nostalgic for me because it brings me back to my glory days of starting my blog, which were very, very satisfying for me. But it's now knowing what I know, operating in a different um, search climate, different algorithm climate than when I started. So I do feel for people that are trying to start that. Um, and what I would say is, again, find your medium. And you're, not everybody's medium is the same. Um, you can hire somebody. Maybe you're not ready to invest. Like I have a full like a SEO partner. We really have almost a joint venture for part of my business. We work very closely together. That's not the level of engagement most people are going to need or want from the start. But you can hire somebody to do some initial keyword search for you. Teach yourself some um, some of the there's some very affordable SEO term tools out there just to help you. So if like, I don't know, John, give me an example of something like you might be interested in, or one of your followers might be interested in terms of a topic, uh, writing your own business book, writing your own business book, how to write a business book, how to write a book yourself, how to self publish. Right. So one quick little free tool that I can give you, what's your question? Literally write a question. Like as you would ask John this question in Google, and then Google is going to give you the other related keyword terms. So we can even do this right here as we're speaking. And I can tell you what it is. Like we are all, whatever continent we're in is how to write a business. Whoops book. I'm on Google Chrome in New York City, which, you know, Google knows exactly where you are and it's going to generate search results accordingly. But, okay, we see there are 829 million results. So that means that that is extremely competitive. So if you're trying to write a blog or a book or a post about that topic, I would say go find something else because everyone and their brother's already doing that or they're searching for it anyways. But that's only one part of the, that's only one part of the equation. Then the equation is what kind of results are you getting? What is the top of this? Scribe writing. What is scribe writing? Are they, is that a quality site? Are they making money? If the answer is no, well then there might be an opportunity for you. Uh, Forbes has an article. Well, Forbes isn't making any money from that because they don't do affiliate deals. I know that for a fact, make your copy count. So there, you just see at the top of the search results, but then you go to the bottom and it says searches related to how to write a business book. That was our search term, how to write a business book. And then you have all these other key words, how to structure a business book, how to write a business book in 30 days. What is a business book? How to write a business book online. So then you start to dig into those. So teaching yourself a little bit about SEO keywords and what your chances are, and then apply that also to Amazon in your case. Amazon's another, another, think about Amazon as another social media outlet because people that's, you know, if you want to write anything, you can use Amazon to do that as well. And the, uh, so in the, that example you just did for me there at the bottom, it said other searches. One of them was how to structure a business book. If I write a blog post called how to structure a, a business book, that might actually be a bit more um, SEO friendly because it's a smaller target market who are, smaller number of blog posts around that than there are about how to write a business book in general. Maybe, but you just get into one of these tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs and they will tell you exactly and they will tell you the dollar value for these things if you're going after. So a big part of my business is affiliate 
right? So, you know, you want um, to uh, open a brokerage account, uh, you do certain keyword searches. My, my blog ranks for certain of those keyword searches on page one, Google, you're going to click through, you open a brokerage account through my special affiliate link and I make a hundred dollars. So that's those people that are searching those terms for affiliate. Most of us are, that is gobbling up page one. So, right. Right. So most of the, most of the money that's being made by your site, is that being made, uh, the, the, the majority of it by affiliate links? Uh, well, probably about half, half of it. And the rest of it is going to be sponsorships. Well, so my income is affiliate. Yes. And that's a very technical high touch thing that I know a lot of that, but it's not really my forte. And that's where I hire out my partner and she's brilliant. That's all she does all day long is live and breathe this stuff. And she is super excited about it. So knock yourself out. You can do that. I will do my other thing over here. And then sponsorships. So that would be like a sponsored blog post, a series of blog posts, uh, you know, a social media package. And that's just getting creative. It's a, you find uh, brands, businesses that are wanting to reach your target audience and getting very creative about like how to best reach them, uh, what the, the brand's goals are, what you can offer. I mean, at this point, I can come to them and tell them, like, I have a very deep knowledge of how, about how I think people are going to respond to their, their, uh, product and how to position it. So I'm really, honestly, my knowledge base about marketing is extremely deep. I am a digital marketer. Yeah. I'm a writer, but everyone's a writer, right? Like that's, and that's subjective. It is subjective. And you look at the people that are making money online. How many of them are formally trained writers? Well, all the formally trained journalists I know are screaming and crying about poverty. So right, writing is not a valued commodity anymore. I mean, very, I mean, that's not to say that it's not needed or that very wonderful skilled writers are not of huge value or can't make money because they absolutely do. And I feel like guilty because I don't invest in developing my writing skills. I'm not diminishing writing, but I'm just saying like, that's, if you want to make money from this, it is really about marketing. Like focus more on learning about marketing than I would say secondary to the writing. Okay. And where does the traffic come from now for your blog? I mean, there's probably a lot of search. It, it, so it's mostly it's all about or, search. organic search. Yeah. Organic search is the most valuable thing you can do. And I, we should also talk about email marketing, but search. If somebody is like, if somebody just happens upon your thing because it comes through their Facebook feed and they click that, that'd be great. Like, you know, but what's going to, what's going to click, what are they going to click on? They're not going to click on top five, uh, life insurance plans for single women. That's not like the most exciting thing of all the, all of all the, the cute baby videos and funny memes. Like that is not the thing they're clicking through on Facebook. They don't give a shit about that. You know, when they're going to click through that and then buy life insurance when they're actively searching for it. So search traffic is it's high intent. So you want people that are already, they're already a warm client. They're already looking for it. They already heard about the single mom down the street that died and they're worried about that. It kept them up last night and they are ready to buy. So they are searching for it and they're looking for it and they're going to, they all single mom. Oh, single mom blog. She knows what she's talking about. And they're going to believe me and trust me and click through. And I'm going to make that commission. Yeah. So, so they start by searching for life insurance and then they see one of your posts come up in the organic search and then they click through and your post in itself is listing five different policies, uh, all of which are affiliate links, presumably. 
Well, some of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is a search. So that's, I really focus on search. Um, email is also a very, like you can build a huge audience on social media, but how many of those people are going to be clicking through and buying your product? Because it's very hard. You're asking people to jump mediums. So let's say you have a huge Instagram following. Many people do, right? But you want them to click through either to your blog, like, you know, a lot of fashion and beauty bloggers, they do very well on Instagram. It's a visual medium. You know, it's like, obviously people are going to spend a lot more time like being excited about like a really cute blogger in a bikini and they click through that. But so they either, but, but you want them to click through as few times as possible. So you want them to, that they have an affiliate link that goes to Nordstrom where they're going to buy the $200 bikini and they're going to make, you know, $20 on that bikini. Right. So, but, so that's, that's the model, but that's a lot harder because you're asking them to go to a different medium, right? You're going from Instagram, maybe to a blog post and then to Nordstrom or maybe from Instagram to Nordstrom, where is in my case, they're already on there. They're already searching. They're already reading. It's like, it's a shorter, you know, that you're asking people to do fewer things. Um, but then email, we should talk about email because email, I think is still very accessible to people. If you can collect somebody's email, that is still, it's people think it's like old fashioned. It's not, it's a very, very valuable thing. Email marketers still can make a ton of money if you do it right and are really giving people a lot of value and not just spamming them. How do you get people onto the email list? Have you got a good lead magnet? Um, I do. And that's something I'm investing in right now. So over the years, this is like, and honestly, a good lead magnet. I've done everything from giving away like hundred page books, like eBooks to right now. If it's like a little guide, I think it's 17 steps to thriving as a single mom. People are often coming to me because they're having a hard time. Like that's, I have two points who are going through a breakup. They're freaking out. They don't know how they're going to make it. Or they have like kind of gotten on their feet and they're calming down and they're ready to start dating again. Those are the two times when I find people. So if they're coming to me in their moment of crisis and I can offer them just, it's honestly, it's not that deep of a resource. It's a few page PDF and people love it and they, they sign up for it. And then when you're sending, you, you email, you do an email newsletter, presumably, do you? Yes. Um, if I were, that is something I should have something like weekly, but here's the thing. My content is evergreen. So when people sign up, they're already getting like an automatic, they're in a funnel, like things that I know that they're going to open things that will probably lead them to something that's revenue generating for me because I'm not, I'm not like doing breaking news, right? I'm not a news site. There's I don't, I don't follow pop, you know, follow pop culture. I don't follow politics. It doesn't matter. They, some of my most profitable, most and profitable, it's valuable. It's valuable to people because they wouldn't be seeking it out and trafficking the post. They're, they they could be five or seven years old. It doesn't have to be news, right? So I do try to keep it fresh and keep longtime subscribers new fresh stuff. I probably don't send stuff maybe twice a month, but if you are new to the list, you will get something every week for a long time. Do you have to resist the temptation to write about some things that don't fit in that category? So I, I imagine there's also all sorts of things you could say about, uh, you know, current president and the, the Democratic candidates and all sorts of things. And do you resist writing that because you know that's that's not going to um, fit into this kind of model? I mean, yeah, well, I, I guess I scratch that itch with like my personal Facebook feed. Um but that is one of the reasons I did start this new activism site because I do feel like um, 
it's not just general politics. It's in this very specific, it's relevant to the wealthy single mommy platform. But I really like, I, I was like, I feel so passionate about some of these topics and I really feel like there's nobody else that is covering them in a meaningful way that I feel like I can. And I'm like, well, I have this audience. I can change people's minds. I can have a voice. Um, and so what I'm going to alienate some people, but you know, that's how it goes and tough shit. And this is the cost of uh, being a politically responsible person and all these things. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm not, that wasn't totally wrong, but at the same time, it's like, it, this is so much better. Like the minute I separated, I started this new site just, I don't know, three, five months ago and immediately was like healthier, right? Just like there's a, there's a place for everything now. Right. And the new site is obviously tiny compared to the old one, the wealthy single mommy, but, um, I will grow it into a media site because that's what I know how to do. And I mean, that's my activism too. Like I have those skills to build a media platform and that's how I know how to communicate with people. So I don't know, TBD where that takes me, but, um, yeah, but yes, but it was a struggle because I, you know, I'd be writing, like I'd be negotiating like a really big, big, uh, media partnership, but I'd be like screaming about this stuff that I know is really provocative. I'm like, Oh, should I? like I would hold myself back in my activism, but then I felt like it held me back in my business and it was always this conflict. So I took that conflict out of it and it's just so much better for everybody involved. That's a good idea. I like that solution. Now you also wrote a book, um, called the kick-ass single mom. Did that help? Yeah, I have it right here yeah. for you. When was that? That was 2017, so almost two years ago. And it's by with a penguin imprint called Tarsha Perigee. And that was great. It was, you know, I was able to get a very nice big six-figure book deal. And there's like a big bidding war for it when it was the market. And that was really fun. And I did a ton of media with it. It was very... um and it's just, yeah, it was great. It was really great. It was painful as hell to write. I did not enjoy writing a book, but, um, it, you know, it's still selling nicely and seems to connect with women. So it's been a very satisfying project. I also have a smaller, um, self-published book that I pinned. I pinned it's uh, just about money. And I was always very interested in self-published books. Cause like why, like everything about my business is DIY self-done, independent. So I'm like, why am I doing like a book with an old legacy publisher that doesn't even make sense? Well, they paid me a lot of money for it. So that's why. But, um, so I tried this and it was fine. You know, it's chugging along. Um, but it's fun. It was fun. It was a fun little project to do. And I hired some, a great editor and designer to work with me on it. So it's a satisfying little, little thing did last year. Now you, you did do a podcast for a while, but you discontinued it. Why was that? Cause everyone, I thought it was the golden age of podcasting. It probably is. Um, I did it for like five years and it, it did well. It started as like this little AM radio show that I got um, and just turned it into a podcast. And it was fine. I just didn't like it anymore. I just was like, I got kind of sick of the whole interview. So no offense, but everybody had the same interview style. And I wasn't unique in that regard. I'm like, I've been a journalist for 20 years. I've interviewed people like I'm over it. Like I'm so over interviewing people. Everybody who of which is pimping their book, their podcast, their startup, which I probably secretly think is stupid. So I was just like over it. And I never, it was fine. Like the traffic was solid and everything. I just, it, I, I grew out of it. It didn't give me joy and it didn't make me a lot of money. So I just, it was a source of stress and I just let it go. And it was purely personal. It was not, yeah, people having fun with their podcasts. So that's great. So do you, do you try to stick with just what you enjoy? I mean, there's a, there is a business angle to it, of course. Uh, I mean, is the business still something that excites you or um, do you have to apply yourself to it? Yeah, I mean, I, 
So the business part has been great and really thriving. And um, like I mentioned, I brought in this SEO partner and she has been great. She's exactly what I've needed because there was a couple of years where things were really solid, but I knew that I needed some more technical help. And I mean, I'm a smart person. You're smart. I'm like, I could have taught myself that, but it was so outside of my interests. And oh, so I was like, the universe smiled on me and introduced me to her. And it's been wonderful. We have completely cleaned up the site. She, we just completely complement each other in terms of uh, skills. And I really like her as a person. Like I really, you know, that's very important for me to work with people I trust and I enjoy. And she's super cool. So that has been really satisfying because it was like, I don't know, like, it was like, you know what it was? I've got this wart on my forehead that's been there forever. And it's like, cause I don't see it because it's on my head. I don't deal with it, but it annoys me. It's in the back of my mind, irritating me all the time. And I just need to like get it taken care of to relieve myself of it. So that was what it was like. I found I was relieved of the wart in my business and now it's flourishing. And so, but the, there's a part of me, like, which is like really developing my creative writing skills and really focusing very narrowly on like my art, like the art and politics of what brought me into this in the first place. I don't spend any energy on that at all. So that has been, that's my new wart. And so that's now on me, right? Because the business is like, has created enough um, time and money for me to now invest in something else. So, um, so that's answering your question about, do I enjoy it? I do enjoy it. And I try to be grateful every day that I have this. I mean, I just got, I was basically on vacation for four weeks, making money the whole time and it's all good, you know? So you've got how many, um, how many people have you got working on the blog? Uh, no full-time people. And I've realized I do not want to do that. I do not like managing people at all. I like, and I don't like working with employees, right? I want to work with a hustler who, you know, think has a similar sensibility as I do. So, um, I have my partner, my SEO partner for sure. Um, uh, like a developer and a, uh, designer, which in a perfect world, those are the same people, but that's hard to do. And then I have offshoot contractors. Like I have somebody managing my Pinterest. I have, uh, like I did have a podcast editor, which uh, may let's say that he's no longer, we're not working together anymore. So some of them are regular contractors on like a monthly retainer situation, a profit sharing situation. Um, and then ad hoc people as needed. That includes people writing blog posts. You're not writing. All yeah. The so I, over the last year I have started, um, hiring freelance writers because so much of why I'm writing is to chase after keywords and make money. And that's not joyful. Like that is not, but then I'm editing people. And that is, I, I'm not sure which one I hate more editing other people or writing really boring shit after pay or after keywords. It's a <laughs> it is a toss up. So I'm working that out. Um, but the next level would be to hire like an editorial director who would then be managing the writers, but then I'm managing that person. That person would be employee and I don't like employees. So yeah, I'm working it out. Yeah. Oh, well, these are high quality problems. It's good. So, <laughs> um, so people want to find out more about uh, what you do. WealthySingleMommy.com is the main blog. And the, the new one, the activism one, what did you say that is? MomsForSharedParenting.org. MomsForSharedParenting.org. Do you mean as in uh, getting the father to share responsibility? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. And, um, and on social media, what, what are your social media channels that you write? Oh, so on Twitter would be, um, at Johnson Emma and then Facebook would be, uh, wealthy single mommy 
page and then Monster Share Parenting page, I would say. And I have a one, one thing where uh, Facebook, the free traffic is kind of dried up. I still think there's some room for Facebook groups. And I have a very active group called um, Millionaire Single Moms. And uh, the, the t- my tips for Facebook groups is you have to manage the shit out of them. I have three admins who I pay very part-time. They're moms. They were just moms, part of the group that were like really great members. Um, because the tone, especially with my audience, I mean, you get 15,000 divorced women together. That is a recipe for like anger, man-hating, poverty. So you can't, like, I have very strict rules and it takes three women to manage this stuff. So that you can't bash men. You can't like pimp your multi-level marketing or your <laughs> coaching business. You can't pimp your stuff. Um, you can't just vent. You have it has to be constructive and positive, and it works. It's tons of work, expensive, but we've got ninety-five percent engagement, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's re- that's really interesting, and it changes people's lives. I tell people when the, if you're going to do a free Facebook group, you it's quite a commitment, and you've really got to be on the ball. We, you know, when I ran groups in the past, we we would have this thing where we'd run a, a 30-day challenge and then once or twice we left people in there on their own and then they, they, they sort of reverted to type after a while. And, and one of my colleagues called it, uh, they're unhelping each other. So it was sort of, after we'd indoctrinated them in the entrepreneurial mindset, they were then starting to tell each other to drop drop their prices and, you know, give terrible advice. They, you know, they were kind of reverting to type afterwards. So what we learned is that, you need to keep you need to keep control of that whole conversation. So that's that's fascinating. That's been really good, Emma. I really uh, I really enjoyed that. So uh, what's next for you? What's going to be next for the business? Do you think? Well, I'm just very steadily growing it, focusing on search mostly, um, and then really growing this new activism thing because it's you know I've realized. One very awesome thing that I've realized is like money only brings so much happiness, right? I don't have an expense. I don't have an expensive lifestyle. I really live pretty frugally. Um, I love traveling, but I don't happen to enjoy like luxury travel per se. Um, so I feel like more money is not necessarily going to buy me more joy or even any more freedom because I love working. Like I'm a worker. Like if you, if I didn't have to work. I don't know what I would do with myself. So it's been like, again, like what do you call them? High quality problems. But, um, I'm really now focused on growing this activism site. Um, it's just something I'm extremely passionate about. I feel very called to do. There's, I don't see work in that space that I believe needs to be done. So, um, you know, it's like a service. I really believe I've, this is the same thing that called me to the wealthy single mommy. You know, I felt no one was speaking to me. I like, well, I'm a professional educated woman with a good income. I'm a single mom. Like who, where are my, where are my homies? Where's my sisters? And who's having these conversations? No, I couldn't find that place. So I created it. And I, I feel the same thing with the shared parenting movement. So, um, and it's just interesting to me. I'm selfish about it. I want to meet other people who think like I do and do some cool shit together. So yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Emma. I wish you the best of luck with all of it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes 
along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. Thank you.